Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Talking USMLE podcast. My name is Dr. Paul. Today, I'm answering five questions that were submitted to me through my Instagram account over the past week. Don't forget to follow me at RealDrPaul on Instagram. Submit your questions so that I can answer them in an upcoming episode. Now let's dive in and get started. Hey guys, Dr. Paul here. I'm going to answer some student questions. Every week I ask you guys to tell me what are the biggest things that you're concerned about, your biggest obstacles, uh, your biggest troubles, your biggest weaknesses, whatever it may be. I always ask you guys to tell me what's bothering you so I can help. So I usually try to answer every question on my Instagram stories, but what I'm going to start doing now is compiling all the questions throughout the weeks into a weekly or bi-weekly video like this so that I can keep helping you guys on different formats in case you miss a story you at least can tap into the IGTV. So I've got 10 questions here. Let's just dive right in and get to it. If you want me to answer any of your questions, when I put up a story and give you guys a little box that allows you to ask, go ahead and write your questions in there and I will make sure that I get back to them. All right, so question number one here is, what are the best step one resources for an IMG? So the, the resources that are good for an IMG are the same resources that are good for an AMG. Right. Ultimately, you want to make sure that you're just using the best tools available and there's not a set of tools for AMGs versus IMGs. However, you know, AMGs might have an easier time preparing because, um, you know, the, the system in the U.S. is more geared towards the U.S. Right. So if you're coming from a different country like India, the U.K., wherever it may be, um, the way you are taught might be different. So you might have to tap into additional resources. But ultimately, it comes down to this. You have to have a basic sciences foundation in place first and foremost. So the, the AMGs get that. But if you go to a school, let's say in the UK or in, in Russia, in wherever it may be, you're simply learning differently and things are different in different countries. So if that's the scenario, what you want to do is use resources like USMLE World, like First Aid. You want to create your own notes. But ultimately, you want to use USMLE World first. If you are, let's say, preparing from scratch, let's say you went to school in India, now you have to prepare for the USMLE, you're going to want something that's going to give you some structure. And structure is what's going to make sure that you can make those, those, those big leaps very quickly. And you want to be super efficient because it does nobody any good to open up every single textbook. So you don't want to get a, a chem, biochem textbook and read it from front to back, a psych textbook front to back. You just won't have time. So what you can do is use USMLE World as the basis for what you're going to study. So for example, let's say you're going to go through genetics first. Do all the genetics questions, then review all the information in those question explanations. But then when something comes up, for example, let's say the question was testing you on your ability to, to uh, break down a pedigree. What you're going to do at this point is say, okay, pedigrees are a topic. I'm going to go now read about it. Then the next question might have been about, let's say, autosomal recessive disorders. Then what you're going to do is use that as a basis to go and look for autosomal recessive disorders in a textbook, read that information. So you, there's a lot more extra work as, an, as a foreign grad specifically. Now, if you're an IMG from the Caribbean, you're typically going to be following the US model. So that's not that big of a deal. But if you're a true FMG, then using UWorld as the basis for your structure, it's probably going to be the most efficient use of your time. But don't don't forget, you can't just read what they put into their explanations 
review first aid and think you're going to get a 240, 250. That's just not how it works. You still need to go back and build that foundation. So if you go through questions and topics come up that you're not familiar with, make sure you use those. So every time you do a question, write out whatever it is they're talking about. And then when you've done a full block, go and review a quality resource like a textbook. Review the topics one by one by one. It's going to take you time, but that's going to be the best way to make sure you cover everything in an efficient manner so that you're not literally reading every page of the textbook, but more so isolating the most likely to be tested uh, concepts, topics, whatever it may be. And that will help you be as efficient as possible, um, but also tap into the, the proper information within the more detailed resources, because that's what you're going to need to be doing if you want to make sure that you put yourself in the best position to succeed. All right, let's see what's question number two here. How do I get letters of recommendation, LORs? If I don't know any doctors in the USA. Okay, so I mean, this does pose a problem. Typically, there's no black and white answer to this. It's not like if you don't have US LORs, you're in trouble. It's more like US LORs are recommended highly. You want people in the, the country that you're going to be practicing to vouch for you. And that's really what an LOR is. It's someone who can vouch for you and say, you know, this person worked under my tutelage and they did a great job. They had these qualities, et cetera. Now, if you can't pull that off, then the next best thing is someone from your country that you worked closely with who knows you very well. So you don't want to just go and do a quick observership and then get a vague generic letter from someone, let's say at a clinic, but you want to get a really personalized LOR from someone who knows you very well. That's ultimately going to be the most effective strategy if you can't get US LORs but I strongly recommend that you get US LORs if at all possible, because at the end of the day, they just are going to carry more weight. That's just, that's just how it is, guys. But again, if you can't do that, getting LORs from someone that knows you very well and can be very specific to your positive traits and attributes will be the next best thing. All right, let's take a look at question three. How can I maximize my step one prep time and not feel overwhelmed? So this is a common question we get. Um, one of the key components of our residency roadmap program is creating a structured plan for students to get through their USMLE step one prep efficiently, um, but also not burning out. We don't want students to get so overwhelmed that they lose interest, they lose motivation. So really the key to maximizing your step one prep is to have a, a realistic time frame but also a realistic amount of things that you're going to do every day. Typically, what we'll tell students to do is pick three things, three big things that you're going to do every single day during your dedicated step one prep. So if that means doing one full block, let's say, of genetics questions, then doing a full thorough review, and then perhaps writing out more condensed notes based on that review into a blank workbook. A blank workbook meaning, um, you know, just something like this, right? A blank workbook. Very, very simple. That would be three big things. So doing the full block of questions, thoroughly reviewing the block of questions, and then taking condensed notes. Three things. Now, you're only getting through one block in a day, but for the sake of this example, that's going to make sure that you get the most out of your, your time and energy, right? It does you no good to do three, four blocks in a day if you're only retaining 25% of it. It's better to do one block, but retain 90 to 95% of it. Then you can go and you can do a, a, a review every few days and really condense that material. So as far as maximizing your step one prep time and not feeling overwhelmed, set realistic timeframes. Don't try to do 16 hour days, set realistic timeframes. Uh, don't rush it. I know a lot of schools will try to rush you. If you are not getting quality NBME scores, 
then don't take your exam. Bottom line, if you're not getting, you know, scoring approximately where you want to be on your actual exam, on your NBMEs, then simply work on those weaknesses until those NBME scores are improved to the point where you're going to be more confident in your ability to score well. Any, any tips for a successful residency interview? Yes, and let me pull them up on my phone so that I don't forget them, but I have a ton of great tips for this specific issue. So give me one second to pull up these. The, I, I took a bunch of notes recently. Let me. Okay, so here's a list that I uh, compiled just recently. So let me just go through these for you. Um, so number one, find people who've interviewed at each spot and get some insights. So ideally, if you've been networking or you just have friends who've had interviews at certain hospitals, reach out to them, ask them how it went, ask them for tips, what you can expect. Uh, and that way you can go in as prepared as possible and ideally stand out. Uh, then the next thing is know the program, know its values, et cetera, inside and out, so that you know as much about the program as possible. Now, what this means is you want to go in and seem like you've done your homework, because if you have, it shows that you're interested in, in that program, and that's going to make them more interested in you. The worst is going in and interviewing and not really knowing anything about it, and uh, you might be a great candidate, but if you didn't do your homework, then you just don't look interested in, in the program, and then as a result, they might not be as interested in you because remember, ultimately they want to match people and they want to bring in the right candidates. So if you demonstrate that you are the right candidate by going in well-prepared, that's going to be very, very beneficial for you. And even more important, this will allow you to ask them insightful questions about their program. So if you get to that point where they say, do you have any questions about our program and you have nothing to ask, it doesn't look like you're that interested. So the more you know about the program, the more you can think about the questions that you'll ask and they look more insightful and makes you look more interested. And ultimately that's going to demonstrate to them that you're serious about their hospital program. Okay. Um, number three, practice your interview skills. Uh, I was just talking with uh, Sarah who does our interview prep at the UPC, um, the uh, residency roadmap mentorship program. We have every August through October, we do uh, interview skills training and, um, one of the big things that we're, we're pushing with our students is practice. Practice not only the basics, but practice the challenging questions that they might ask you, right? So things like, why was there a gap year? You, you want to make sure you practice answering questions that might not make you look the best, but twisting them in a way that highlights the positive and minimizes the negative. Um, the next tip I have is know the day's structure before you go in. So you want to know, are you dealing with group interviews? Are they solo interviews? This will help you at least just mentally prepare. The next tip is dress to impress. You can never be overdressed. So if you're wondering if you should do this or that, go with the fancier option. Now, obviously don't wear a tuxedo, but you know, if you're wondering, should I wear a tie, should I not, wear the tie, right? It's always better to look overdressed than underdressed, especially in an interview that you know really holds so much weight for your future. Uh, the next question, the next uh, point here is be prepared for the common questions. Have a list of quality and insightful questions for them. So, you know, this really comes down to being prepared for the interview. You want to know what types of questions programs like to ask and then always have insightful questions for them. Because, like I said, that makes you look more interested in their program. Um, the next thing is make sure you're 100 percent familiar with everything on your application in case they ask. So, you know, don't write your, your CV and your, your personal statement and then never look at it again. Make sure you review this stuff before every interview you go in for so that everything's fresh. And if they say something 
where they refer to something, let's say on page two, you, you just read it so you're comfortable and familiar with it so you can answer it. You're not sort of, you know, uh, sitting there wondering what exactly they're referring to. And you don't want to say, what exactly are you referring to? You want to know. Okay. And the last point I have here is remember that the entire day is an interview, so always be on. Whether you are getting coffee from the coffee station or you're sitting in front of someone, make sure that you are always putting forth the best you that you possibly can. All right, let's answer one more question. I didn't match in 2020. Should I just give up? So, you know, this is this is always an interesting question. And I tell people never, ever to give up. But also, you have to ask yourself, is this definitely something that you want to pursue? Because it's it's not easy going through residency, you know, three to five, maybe even six years, depending on what you're doing. Do you really want to do it? Now, usually students who say, should I just give up, are all either doing it because they're misinformed about the process or they really don't want to do it and they want someone to sort of, you know, tell them that it's okay to quit. So my advice, no matter whether it's um, at this point or if it's after first semester, do you love it and do you want to do this for the rest of your life? And if the answer is yes, then of course, never give up. I have a friend who I went to school with who didn't match seven years in a row. And then on the eighth year, he matched. Okay. Keep that in mind. You keep going as long as you want to keep going. If you're passionate, keep going. Now, if you really don't want to do it, there's other ways to earn a living, right? There's plenty of ways where you can make good money that aren't in medicine specifically. So really, should you give up? I would say definitely not. If it's something you want to pursue and you want to do, keep trying. Um, but don't just do the same thing that you did last year and expect different results. That's probably one of the problems that my friend had who went seven years without matching was he didn't do anything really different year after year. He just eventually, you know, probably built enough connections and, and rapport with these programs that someone let him in. But ultimately, if you're doing the same thing this year in your application you did last year, expect the same results. So what I would recommend that you do is actually reach out to us. Um, you can swipe up uh, or you can you can uh, scroll down to the um, description of this video and there's a link. Book a call with us because you know our residency roadmap program is designed to help students position themselves to succeed no matter whether they have poor USMLE scores, whether they didn't match. You know, I would just ask you, if you come to match day next year and you don't match, you open up that email again and it says you did not match, how are you going to feel? Are you going to wish you had done more to position yourself to be the ideal and perfect candidate for the programs that you want to get into? Or are you satisfied knowing you didn't do anything extra and just giving it another try next year? My guess is that you're not going to be happy. So reach out to us, uh, myself, my team. This is what we do. We help students like yourself uh, position themselves properly so that next time, put yourself in a much, much better position to actually successfully match, okay? So hopefully those questions were helpful to you guys. Uh, if you have any more questions, like I said, you can either drop them in the comment section below or feel free to answer one of the question boxes that I put up on my stories, uh, usually two or three times a week, and we'll get to you next time. All right, thank you guys for stopping by. Uh, let me know if you have any questions and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you all for listening. I hope that was helpful. If you want to position yourself as the ideal and perfect candidate for your dream residency position, go ahead and visit residencyroadmap.com. Learn about how we can help you and book your free strategy session to discuss how we can help position you as the ideal and perfect candidate for your dream residency position. 
Thank you all for stopping by. We'll see you on the next episode.